Do you consider yourself a high achiever? Smart, driven, highly successful? I am so excited to have you. My name is Julia Arndt and I'm the host of the Stress Podcast. I will help you develop your stress resilience the same way you've developed your workplace superpowers. Learn peak performance tools to thrive at work and in your personal life. Let's get started. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Stress Podcast. I'm really, really excited to announce our next podcast guest to the show, and it's Rosie Acosta. Hi, Rosie. How are you today? Hi. It's so nice to be here. I'm so excited to be chatting with you, Julia. Yes, me too. I was just saying how beautiful your backdrop is with all the palm trees on the wall, and it immediately wants me to, uh, wants me to go to the beach and lay in the sunshine. Yeah, no, it's definitely that's the energy. I try to bring that energy anywhere I go because it's every everywhere should feel like a vacation for sure. Yes, that's true. Rosie, um, I always start my podcast guests off with um, the question, where are you located? What time is it? And what have you been up to this morning before we jumped on the podcast? Yeah, so I'm in Los Angeles, California. Uh, it is 10 30 a.m in the morning um i just did uh, an instagram live with one of my like mentor teachers and i've just been doing some computer work this morning i have this nice, nice little ritual routine that i i you know kind of have my morning to do my practice and answer some emails and and then just start my work day pretty pretty much like at eight o'clock every morning mm -hmm. Nice. And um, what was the Instagram live about? It was, oh, with uh, Danielle Laporte, who's this incredible, prolific writer, spiritual teacher, guru. Um, we were talking about my book, uh, You mm. Are Radically Loved. We had been wanting to connect since the book came out. And it's just schedule wise, it's been really intense. But she asked some really great questions. So we just did a live just chatting about the process and kind of how I'm dealing with everything. And so it was really fun. So if mm. you're listening to this, you want to catch it, go to uh, Danielle Laporte on IG and you can see the live there. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. I will link it to the show notes as well. I'm sure she's oh, probably great. going to save it on her reels as well. Yeah. On her videos. Cool. Um, Rosie, tell us a little bit more about you. Who are you? How did you, you know, how did you get to write a book and how has this whole process been for you? Yeah. So I am a yoga and meditation teacher and podcast host, and I'm a writer. I, love writing. It's it's hard for me to even say writer. I guess I'm a published author now, right? But mm -hmm. I grew up in uh in LA. I'm I'm a native Angelino. I grew up in a really chaotic area uh with there was a lot of gang violence. It was a very, very violent time in LA history and I grew up around a lot of uh trauma and just seeing really just chaotic things happen in the world. And by the time I was a teenager, I was experiencing really um, debilitating panic attacks. And um, I was getting in trouble with the law. And finally, uh, my mom got to my mom was a single parent. And she finally got to this place where she really wanted to help and ended up coming home with some meditation pamphlets mm. uh, from the Self-Realization Fellowship, which is like this organization 
founded by Paramahansa Yogananda back in the 30s. Um, they have all these centers all over the world. There's one, there's a couple of centers in LA. The one specifically that I went to was the one in Hollywood. And that was my first foray into meditation. And that's all it took just that one time I got really into learning about meditation, learning about yoga, and it started to really change the course of my life. And mm -hmm. Many years later, I got really into wellness and I decided that I want, because it worked so well for me, I wanted to learn how to teach these practices, meditation, mindfulness, yoga, to people like the people I grew up with that had also suffered from trauma, that also were suffering from uh, chronic illness, that were really undervaluing their health. And that's sort of where my career began. and. 10 years after that, I started teaching. I was, you know, doing a, a blog, a, a health blog, and I just started to reach more people and my podcast started to get bigger and I started to work with Olympic athletes and celebrities and, and some big, um, you know, athletes mm. and everything just kind of took off and I decided I wanted to write a book. And that process has been a mm -hmm. long agonizing journey. <laughs> mm -hmm. And um, and now here we are, you know, having this incredible conversation on the Stressed Podcast with you. Yeah. When did you start the book writing process? When did you make that decision that you really want to write a book? The decision was made 10 years ago. So okay. the decision, wow. the inspiration, the desire came in 10... 10 years ago this year. Uh, so it was back in 2012. And mm -hmm. it took about, after thinking about the idea, it took another two to three years until I actually wrote out a table of contents, you know, because sometimes mm -hmm. we get this idea and it takes us, you know, a little bit of time to get our thoughts together and mm -hmm. have it become this amalgamation of, uh, ideas and words that you want to create into a some semblance of a thread that makes sense so that that took some time and after that back in in 2015 i started to shop it around and i got an agent and i got rejected like 32 times mm -hmm. and so i was really at this point of wanting to give up and just obviously feeling like this wasn't going to happen for me and and I didn't and I just kept going and I ended up finding a new agent that was willing to like take me on as a client um and I just stayed the course I I got a writing coach Jeannie Faulkner who's like my writing fairy godmother because I'm not I, I love to write just because I love to write doesn't mean I know how to write and there's so many the English language has so many nuances and there is certain structural things that you need to learn to write a book and I've not been in school or college since I was in my early 20s so it's been a really really long time so I had a go back and learn some of the basics. But fortunately, I was able to work with uh, somebody who does this for a living, which I highly recommend for anybody out there who wants to write a book or wants to start something. 
of that nature is like, find yourself a coach, find yourself somebody who's already doing the thing and yeah. see if you can work with them. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. So your book is called You Already Clear Loved. Um, how did you choose that title? I, I believe that part of what led me into the world of wellness, into creating a spiritual practice was having this resonating anchor of this knowing, this internal knowing that I was radically supported, that I was, it didn't matter what direction I went, that so long as I stayed the course that I would be fully supported and present. And it felt very much like love like it felt like this resonating conduit of energy that i had to tap into in order to move out of this feeling of being stuck mm -hmm. so i felt like being radically loved as opposed to just being loved felt so much more poignant and so much more substantial and it felt like it really encompassed all of the things that I wanted to bring to the world. You know, I, I felt like if somebody like me could get into a state of feeling fully supported, then anybody could do it. Mm -hmm. And tell us a little bit more about that. I think that's really interesting because I think nowadays, you know, we hear a lot about self-love and self-care, but, and I think, you know, honestly, we, I think we all know kind of what self-care is about at this point, but um, me, myself as well, I've been asking myself a lot that question around self-love and how can you, you know, radically love yourself and feel radically loved when you are rebuilding yourself or when you're rebuilding a life, uh, maybe that's been going in a way that, that you didn't expect to go. Yeah. I mean, I think, sometimes people make the correlation between self-love and self-care and i i do believe that they are different things mm -hmm. i think that uh just because you can practice self-care doesn't mean that you can practice self-love mm -hmm. you know typically if you practice self-love you can practice self-care um i think that it's important to be able to understand the nuances between the two um self-love is a state of being i don't know necessarily that it's like a pra it is a practice that you do but it's not necessarily like a something you can check off a to-do list especially now i i think more of it is having the awareness to recognize when you're not being loving to yourself and having the discipline and the desire to eradicate that negative thought pattern, those negative words that might come in when you are in that moment of self-doubt or lack of self-love. You have those moments where you are self-loathing and, and self-deprecating yourself to recognize, okay, hello, old friend. Like, how can I, how can I serve what is happening in this moment or to recognize and have the compassion and the kindness to allow yourself to have that moment, but allow yourself to refocus your energy into what's going to serve your highest good. So I think it has more to do with awareness and recognition than it is 
checking off a list of to do's mm -hmm. like taking a mm -hmm. bath and saying words of affirmation and doing your meditation practice. It's so much more, um, it's so much more of a consistent experience that you need to guide yourself into having, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And have you been in a place in your life where you didn't love yourself and where you had to learn that yourself on how to identify when you are not really loving to yourself? And Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, a lot of what I talk about in the first couple of chapters, the first, pretty much the first four chapters in, in the book, I talk about being in that state of not loving myself or feeling like I don't understand why I have to have a relationship with, with myself. You know, I, I didn't really value my body, my mind, my spirit. It was very much, uh, you know, just par for the course, you know, it, it didn't, it wasn't really noteworthy. Um, I do talk about having an e a disordered eating and having to grapple with dealing with PTSD and trauma and understanding the, the ways in which that affects your confidence and your autonomy and your level of, um, yeah, self-compassion. So I, I definitely have a little bit of experience in not being fully in a state of love of self. And I think what I say all the time is you teach mostly what you need to learn. Mm -hmm. So I feel like in order for me to really navigate that journey, I needed to learn as much as I could about the process and about myself. And so when I found something that worked, I wanted to share it. Mm -hmm. And that that's the big reason why the subtitle to the book is called a healing journey to self-love because healing isn't it doesn't go in a straight line it's cyclical and i feel like with every rung that we climb with every step that we take is a new opportunity for us to choose wisely and to act more kindly especially when it comes to talking to ourselves mm -hmm. Do you remember a moment or a situation where you had that realization, oh, that is not really self-loving of me and it needs to change? Oh, yeah. Oh, it happens every day. I mean, every day. I think everybody can have, can have that, uh, can relate to that in some way, shape or form. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, this, you know, morning I was doing emails, like mm -hmm. I said, and I mm -hmm. sent the wrong email to the wrong person. And I was, you know, just like, Ugh, like how pay attention, you know, like that was so dumb, you know, like, why would you do something like this? Like, how could you not, how could you be so careless? And so I have to catch myself in those moments and just say like, it's okay. Like mm -hmm. this happens. People make mistakes. Like nobody's perfect it's okay. Send an apology email to the person saying, sorry, wrong, Sally. Um, I meant to send this to somebody else. My apologies. Um, disregard. 
Mm-hmm. And it was fine. And they responded. They're like, no worries. It wasn't even that big of a deal. I've had way bigger mistakes via email <laughs> happened during happened during like a Mercury retrograde where I reply to all and like the wrong person was on there. It just it, it's been I've had a lot of moments like that. But yes, they still happen pretty often. And I rely heavily on the tools that I have. And I remember to take deep breaths and to just relax my shoulders and release any contract contraction in my body, relax my jaw. I just take a moment to recenter myself and refocus and remember that it's it's fine. Like things are fine and nothing's that big of a deal, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you did exactly that example as well, because, you know, I have a lot of people that are listening that are, you know, working and that they're really stressed out by, um, by those kind of things, right. Email and meetings and things like that. So I think to uh, um, love ourselves in these moments, um, I think it's really powerful. You did say that there is not really a, like self-love is not really a practice, like self-care where you have like a to-do list and you can like check the boxes off. I journaled and I took a bath and I maybe went for a walk outside and I had a green juice. Right. But I am still kind of curious to learn more still about practices or strategies on how to be more self-loving. Is it more to, is it more about being mindful and reminding yourself or catching yourself in the moments to remind yourself? I I think absolutely. I mean, there's, uh, there's so many things that you could do. To me, I always go with having the awareness and just Mm -hmm. first recognition awareness being aware of what is happening and look in the on the practical side there are absolutely things you can do i i talk about the importance of movement i talk about the importance of setting goals and and being able to get from point a to point b like what does that look like for you avoiding moments of inertia, avoiding moments of lethargy, avoiding moments where all you have is to stew in your own self-pity or victimhood or whatever it may be. Like I I totally understand that. And I think for us to recognize, look, I to give ourselves the space to have those moments of like feeling sorry for yourself, like do it. I personally like to set a limit if I'm having a bad day, I say, okay, how long do I want to have a bad day for? Do I want it to take over the first half of my morning? Then I say, okay, from right now until two o'clock in the afternoon, I get to complain about whatever I want. Mm -hmm. And then after two o'clock, I'm going to go for a walk or I'm going to go for a run or I'm going to just start folding my laundry or start putting dishes away in the kitchen. Like I'm going to do something to busy myself and not think about this. Sometimes I have a full th- a full day where it's just today and I wake up in the morning and I tell my partner, I say, today is a complaining day. And he goes, okay. So he knows like today is one of those types of days. It's a complainy <laughs> day. We call it a complainy day. And uh-huh. I try to make it as innocuous as possible even when I'm complaining about stuff. It's like, oh, this is going wrong. Of course it's going wrong. Of course this, of course that. So it's important to give yourself the time. But I personally recommend to give it a time stamp like give it a limit get mm-hmm. it all out let yourself have all the comp- i mean if you want to look back and say oh when so and so got the promotion five years ago like that really pissed me off you know whatever it may be if that's your complaining day let yourself have it 
most of the time I find when I have a day like that, it doesn't really last all day. It's kind of these burst moments that kind of come up. These burst moments that come up in, in that frequency. But then once it's out, and I'm a big fan of journaling. You know, I'm a big fan of writing things down. I have this practice that I do every morning. I write 500 words and I just, sometimes it's stream of consciousness. I just write, 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 whatever, as much as I can, as quickly as I can. Sometimes it's a little bit more structured. And I always say that having feelings put on a page or in front of you gets them out of you. So that's a really great way of, of pulling out of being in that negative spin. And as far as what is going to remedy those feelings, again, like what I said, movement, I meditate, I'm a meditation teacher. So for me, meditation always helps. Mm -hmm. uh, I love moving my body. I love working out. You know, I, I love to go take a class or do something. I like to watch Netflix. So sometimes it's a Netflix binge that I just have to experience. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, but those are a couple of, of ways. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I'm a really big believer of journaling to my, my listeners know I talk about this all the time, but I think, especially when I have a bad day and when I like, I actually woke up yesterday from a bad dream and I like started my day and I was like, oh, I'm just not feel like this dream just sat with me, you know? And I feel like these moments are actually the hardest to sit down and write. So I have, I have both moments. Sometimes I sit down and I love to write and it's really, and I know it will really help me. And sometimes I really have to force myself to sit down and write, but it always helps. And I think it always gives me a perspective that in the moment when I haven't written down something, I couldn't see, but like, in that process of writing things like new thoughts come to me that give me the perspective that I need in order to feel better about myself. So I really, really love. Yeah. Journaling. I love, do you ever go back and reread? No. <laughs> oh, you don't. You just, so what do you do? Do you have like, okay. So do you write like pen to I actually paper? literally have my um, journal laying right here because I haven't had the time this morning to journal because I talked to my mom in Germany, but um, yeah, it's really funny. I have a lot of friends that I talk to that do go back and read, read. Uh, what they wrote. Yeah. And my and, and my mom is actually journaling too. We just talked about it this morning and um, she read a little bit of what she was um, writing about the other day. And yeah, she goes back all the time to read like even two months ago or three months ago. I find it really difficult. <laughs> I don't know. Really? I really write a lot. I write every day, um, but I have a really hard time to go back. I think also because, you know, sometimes you have, I think you go through different moments of your life and um, yeah, I don't know. I I just find it hard to go wow. back. Wow. So let's see, you see my old self. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. So it's almost like your way of, it's a cathartic experience of mm -hmm. getting were your feelings, your emotions, whatever your state of mind is on paper. And then you're like, oh, that's the old exactly. me. Now I can move on. Mm -hmm. Oh, really interesting. You know, yeah. I love doing So I have some old journals too that, that I've, I'm, I have writings from when I was a teenager. Like I keep all of my old doodles and, mm -hmm. you know, and so sometimes in those moments of nostalgia, I like to I like to go back and read or like just kind of see what what was going on in my life at that time. And now I, I do it. I don't I still have my journal. I still if I'm going to journal, it's more of a personal experience. Like I might need to just have that kinesthetic 
tactile experience of holding a pen and mm -hmm. writing in my journal. I feel like there is a different resonating energy between that and type, you know, right. Doing my Typing, writing in the morning. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I like that you, you do that in that way <laughs> and that you kind of like get it out and put it to the side so you don't have to see it again. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, I'm obviously very open. I'm always like, maybe one day I'll take all of my journals out and I read it. I have, you know, probably 10, 15 journals uh, full of writing and, uh, yeah, it's really interesting. Um, I'm curious to learn a little bit more about your book. So you were saying that the first four chapters, you know, you were writing a little bit about your own personal experience um, and about, you know, how you got to where you are today. And then is it more of a self-help book? Like how can we imagine the book to be and what can it help us to, uh, to learn? Yeah. Life. So the book is broken up into three parts. So the name of the book is called You Are Radically Loved. It's broken up into three parts, mind, body, and spirit. And mm -hmm. it's very much structured in a way to invite the reader to basically write their own story. I, in the beginning, the, the first four chapters on the mind, there are journaling prompts. There's offerings of different practices that you can do um, there's at the end of each chapter, there's like takeaway, a mm -hmm. takeaway bullet point. So for the people that love to skim books and it's like, okay, what is the takeaway from these yeah. chapters? So it gives you that overview of the experience of whatever the points in the specific chapter are about. I'm very into, it is a self-help book. Mm -hmm. It's more like personal growth than anything. Mm -hmm. And I do reflect on my own journey to healing, my own journey to self-love, my journey to spirituality. And it's really has, it really has a foundation in uh, finding your spiritual practice and having spiritual empowerment, like allowing yourself to have this experience of what does having this spiritual practice mean to you what is what is being connected to your highest good mean to you like what are the reasons behind what it is that you want to create in your life and what is it strong enough to propel you forward to stay on course and then i i definitely talk about getting off course and how like i said healing doesn't happen in a straight line i talk about mm -hmm relationships you know as we move on and in, in the book you know the body chapter definitely refers to more movement i talk about becoming a yoga teacher i talk about mm -hmm. running a marathon i i begin to describe how my body has helped and how it has hindered my mm -hmm. life experience mm -hmm. and then at the end of the towards the end of the book the last four chapters uh spirit i i go into a little bit deeper topics like talking about grief and loss and talking about hope and really going into what it means to be radically loved. So the entire book is an invitation to create a radically loved life. Mm -hmm. I'm very curious. Um, how has your body hindered you to live your life experience? I think that the hindering comes in the form of just having trauma in my body, just having had the experience of growing up in a chaotic environment and, and having lived through several drive-by shootings and seeing people 
be physically assaulted, you know, just having that body recognition of fear and, and being in that central nervous system state, that hypervigilant state, um, I think has hindered me in, in many ways because there are certain triggers that I have. And even now, um, there's just certain, it, it's like what doc, uh, Dr. Vessel Vanderkolk talks about in The Body Keeps Score. If you've not read it, it's an incredible book, but mm. it is, um, memories live in the body. Trauma lives in the body. And if you don't know the tools or, or the different ways into which you can find peace and rest and freedom, it, it becomes really difficult to live with. So the hindrance for me personally in the book, I talk about how I I didn't understand how to express feelings and emotions. So they came out in other ways. They came out in obsessively becoming a workaholic or having bulimia or being able to use my body as a way of controlling my external world as opposed to um, using my body as a conduit to express what what was stuck. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's super powerful. I uh, I have a I have my own yoga practice. I'm I have 400 hours of yoga teacher training as well, and I think it's just powerful because I think we I didn't really grow up with that knowledge of like you know things are held in the body or yeah. um, yeah, traumas held and memories, mm -hmm. right? Um, and I actually again just just yesterday um, evening I went to a yoga class here in my hometown, and I was like, wow. Oh, this felt so good and I've been probably holding on to these like a couple of different things that that's been happening over the past few months of my life and yeah it's it's always powerful to see how yeah how we're just holding on to things and how we can actually release it when we're bringing mindfulness and awareness into it yeah yeah I totally agree and that's great I love that you have a practice mm -hmm. and yeah. I know that feeling too I mean now here uh everything's finally opened up and with mm. los angeles has lifted the mask mandate for a couple of weeks now and i just started going back to classes like and it oh man the minute i go it's into so the studio it's just <laughs> it's such a different experience you know yeah, i mean i love don't get me wrong i loved practicing at home i loved seeing my teachers on zoom like it, it's been mm -hmm. really nice excuse me it's been really nice to practice with teachers that normally I wouldn't be able to practice with. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the minute you walk into that studio space with other people there, it just changes the, totally. the dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. I, I believe so too. I, I walked into the studio last night and I, there were like three or four people, you know, I live in Lake Tahoe. It's a small community. And, um, and I walked into the the studio and there were like three or four people from, from my community and everyone's like, oh, hi, you know, it's just, yeah, it's so different than, you know, opening my laptop and doing some, <laughs> some yeah. YouTube videos or something. And then yeah. I just get distracted. And I thought about that yesterday too, because I was like, it's nothing that I don't know how to do on my own, but the experience of sharing this with some, with other people and you know, being really fully present instead of having my phone next to me and maybe my dog that that's trying to play with me while I'm yeah. <laughs> trying to stretch, you know, um, is, is so different and so much more um, meaningful. So I yeah. really love to take that time. Um, 
Um, I was reading through a couple of really uh, powerful questions um, that, um, you know, came in with regards to our interview. And one of them um, that I found really resonating with me was um, how uh, I'm just going to read it because I think it's just really powerful um, just the way it's been written. Um, how can you cultivate love and kindness for the people in your life? who aren't on board with your growth without letting them throw you off track. And I think, you know, as we are in this personal growth and development journey, you know, we oftentimes talk about you are the five people you surround yourself with, but mm -hmm. you know, oftentimes we hear, yeah, but it's my family or it's my mother or it's my dad or it's my sister. That's, um, you know, really difficult or that, that doesn't share the same beliefs. Um, how have you navigated that in your life? And what would you recommend people to think about if, as they are maybe going through this process of finding themselves and healing themselves um, yeah. and still have people around them that might be, you know, maybe not on the same path? Yeah, I think a lot of it is stemmed from having compassion and being able to see your loved ones from a state of full acceptance of whatever is, whether it's acceptance of the fact that you will disagree forever or acceptance that they're doing their best or the acceptance mm -hmm. that you're doing your best. I talk about it in the uh, chapter of radical honesty and, and then the following chapter after that, um, for us to really fully feel supported, we have to know what it's like to fully support another person. I talk about the importance of having relationships in our lives and how that is the highest form of a spiritual practice because it really teaches us about ourselves. It teaches us about other people and we want the other to fully accept us all of as, everything that we are fully as we are yet we don't fully accept other people fully as they are so there is a paradigm there that we need to m move through or clear and it's easy for us to point out the flaws of others and the differences in others, how they don't believe the same thing or they have different politics or whatever. And we're so quick to throw away people in our lives that seemingly would be great people to have um, in terms of, especially when it comes to family. I guess I'm specifically talking about that. I mean, there's some sometimes like family, you can't don't change your it. family, yeah, exactly. you know, yeah. and you can't choose your family. Your family is <laughs> there because that's who you were karmatically destined to come in to be in a relationship with. And so use it as a learning moment, use it as your teacher. These are very powerful people in our lives that we can choose to evolve with. And the, the problem mm -hmm. is most of the time we're looking outward, we're not looking inward. So I would always invite people to really think about that. You know, you want somebody to accept you fully as you are. Are you willing to accept them fully as they are? What does that mean to you? Mm -hmm. You know, that that means, and I, I talk about it and I reference Mark Nepo a lot because he's one of my teachers and he's been a mentor for a very long time. He talks about acceptance and us accepting 
the other fully as they are, all of who they are is fully welcome. And that's how we know the difference between ending a relationship or working on a relationship. If you feel that you are fully accepted, fully as you are, all the parts of yourself are welcome. Mm -hmm. There's no parts that they wish that they could change. Then you know that it, this is a relationship worth fighting for. If there's a, you're having that, oh, I really love them. This situation that I'm currently living through with a family member. I really love that person. I just wish they were different. And mm -hmm. it's like, okay, but then you don't really fully love them. No, I really do. I love them. I would do anything for them. I just, I want them to be different. And it's like, okay, well, what about them exactly do you want them to? It's, oh, I, I wish they were more, I wish they cared more. And it's like, okay, well, you can't make somebody care for you. Mm -hmm. So do you then really fully accept this person? Because you're saying that you fully accept them, but there's this part of them that is not welcome. So do you fully accept them or not? And that's sort of the question that they have to grapple with at that point. They have to really examine their motives and how they really feel about a situation. I always have to ask myself that. See, I always put myself in the opposing person's shoes because I know I'm right, right? Like I know mm -hmm. I'm always gonna be right. Mm -hmm. I'm sure everybody here can feel that way. I'm always, my point is always the right point. My point is always the most elevated point. My point is always the more evolved point. I'm always going to be right. So at that point, you're not giving anybody else, you're not giving anybody else's truth space. Even if it doesn't correlate with yours, mm -hmm. it's true for them. So how do you show up then for that person? How do you show up in a meaningful way that will allow them to feel seen, heard, and understood. And so that's our problem most of the time. That's the issue that we have. I mean, I'm not saying that's the main issue in our society today, but I would say it's a, it's a big it's, problem. Yeah, I totally agree. And um, I love that. I love that viewpoint as well. Um, I remember that one of the yoga teacher trainings I went to, that's what they that's what they were telling us. They were like, okay, so, you know, you're, you're um, in a really close space with, you know, 10 people over the next two weeks. And the person that triggers you the most <laughs> is probably the person that you can learn the most from because they trigger something in you that you are still working on within yourself. And so as you were talking about that family member and, you know, you wish um, that family member maybe would care more, I think then you basically pull it back and ask yourself, How can it's it basically goes back then to that self-love, right? It's basically then the question, how do you how can you care better for yourself? Exactly. Yeah, you're proving my point. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's really, really powerful. Um, and you know, you were talking about spiritual mentors. How how did you find your mentors as you were going through this process and journey of healing and loving yourself? Yeah, I just basically, I'm a s stalker. <laughs> um, I'm like an online stalker. <laughs> and I, it, a lot of people that I started to follow, well, my first first teacher was like a, a teacher of my first yoga teacher. So that was like a natural transition. You know, of mm -hmm. course, I wanted to go study with her teacher, her guru, you know, mm -hmm. so so that was my first initial 
entrance into um, learning through uh, Yoga Rupa Raj Stryker. That was my like main yoga teacher. And after that, it was really just reading a lot of books, learning from spiritual teachers and, and then, you know, just I don't want to say stalking. That sounds so bad, but you know what I mean? I just did I my due diligence. I, yeah. I would sign up for workshops. I would read all of their books. I would do the practices. I would follow them and, and just try and learn as much as I could. And so, yeah, that was, that was what began that process. What helped me create a personal relationship to the to these people was having a podcast. I mean, having a podcast was really great mm -hmm. in terms of connecting with people. And I have to say, I always like calling myself out on this, that that was really the main reason why I started the podcast. I just wanted an excuse to talk to all of these like incredible leaders and teachers in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, it's great that you're bringing it up because that was my um, last question that I have for you today, because I was curious to learn more about your podcast. When did you start the podcast and what is what do you talk about with people in the podcast? Yeah, the name of the podcast is called Radically Loved. And uh, I started the podcast in 2016. Uh -huh. And the whole purpose behind the, the 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 purpose behind the podcast was to have these spiritual conversations. I, I wanted to hear people's stories of adversity. I wanted to learn how they got, they cultivate creativity. I wanted to learn mm -hmm. about their methods of getting their message out into the world. And so it, it just, it has evolved since, but in the beginning that was mm -hmm. the, the big incentive behind the radically loved podcast like how do these people practice radical love or how does radical love live in their lives mm -hmm. and you've had some incredible podcast guests like ariana huffington elizabeth gilbert deepak chopra and many others um but those were the three obviously that stood out to me because yeah. um they're so so famous in our today's world and what was your who was your most favorite podcast guest like what who's someone that you still maybe think about or maybe even go back to the episode and you listen to it sometimes when you need to hear what they were saying <laughs> man there's oh god so i'm at like almost 500 episodes right now oh. so there's a lot and i do one weekly solo with my like op director of operations slash assistant slash student slash friend tessa uh, who works for me and and we do this this uh, weekly wisdom Wednesday. And so, but including that, I mean, there's been a lot of people that I've had on the podcast there. Um, I mean, I, I can think back right now. I'm just trying to think of the most recent ones because there have been so I've interviewed so many of my friends on there. Like there's been so many incredible people. I think probably Jen Sincero though. So Jen Sincero is the the writer behind the You Are a Badass franchise. Mm -hmm. um, you are a badass at making money. You are a badass. You are a, a badass at breaking habits. Like, or you, you are a badass at, what's the habits one? Badass, ha badass habits. I'm looking at my little yeah. library. <laughs> But I've had Jen on the show several times. Mm -hmm. I would definitely consider her as like a mentor, somebody that I, I definitely look up to. Um, and she's just like a real down to earth human being. 
and she's an incredibly gifted writer and very successful, obviously. Um, but yeah, I mean, God, I've had so many people. I've interviewed Preeta G on, on the show as well. She's like a spiritual leader, teacher. Um, so, so many, I can think of so many incredible people, um, that I've had the privilege of talking to and, I mean, look, I want, I want to say, I want to advertise and say that every conversation I have is great. Every single person. I think I you, it is. I think you yeah. learn from everyone that yeah, you are interviewing, you know? Yeah. But I do still, yeah. I, as you are answering that question, I, I just thought about my own guests that I've had and that have like stood out to me. And I think it's usually the ones that you interview multiple times because you get to know them better as well. Yeah. And um, you've built that connection that Yes. you just don't have if you're just talking once. yeah very cool for sure for sure yeah well rosie this was really interesting um thank you so much for talking to us today and for sharing your wisdom i'm really really excited to read the book and um yeah learn more about that self-love journey and the healing journey because i think we are all on it or we should at least yeah. all be on it <laughs> and um yeah i hope that you know some of our listeners will get, get the book as well and dive into more of those different practices yeah. that they can do on a regular basis thank you thanks julia and thank you so much for your support and for having me on your show and to all of your listeners thank you so much i'm, I'm so grateful and anytime i get an opportunity to talk about the things that I love to teach is, is always such a privilege. So thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you.